You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. We're still talking about the boys because it's uh it's a pretty interesting season so far. Um season two is on Amazon Prime. You have what seventy-two issues in the comic books if you uh want to go back and read them. And and that can't be right. It seems, it seems like it should be bigger than that. You know, I'm curious you bring up a good point. Um I don't think I think it was kind of a limited engagement because if you think about it, you're doing twelve like a year. That's about six years, right? Oh. Yeah, that's right. That is six years. Yeah, seventy-two issues. So there you go, seventy-two issues of the book. Uh, they they're definitely in the show jumping around in the different volumes. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and tr- and even though. <laughs> Technically, the boys started off in the DC universe. Uh, we're gonna go and like create our own boys esque team in the DC universe today to see like who would you put non powered. So we're going TV version, non powered that would be uh, on the team to take out supers if they ever went bad. Like, can you think of other teams? that are already like that in the DC universe, obviously the suicide squad, right? Yeah. Suicide squad. They're definitely your, uh, depraved, uh, heroic people, uh, whoever, uh, Hitman hangs out with. <laughs> Cause I think, I think he's definitely an inspiration for the boys. <laughs> well, I don't know about inspiration, but definitely, uh, from the same people. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gosh, you know, I guess it's kind of tough because it's funny. Like, I can I can see a trend happening though with the boys because going that way, like we really liked our wholesome altruistic heroes. This kind of speaks to a little bit more of that fandom. So, you know, because usually they've been outside of things. Like something that comes to mind would be like the Watchmen. Um. That could be an interesting matchup, you know, the boys versus the Watchmen or the seven versus the Watchmen. Uh, but those were always outside of continuity. But it's like it kind of seems like people want to get to that point where they push that edge a little bit more and mm-hmm. bring it to the direct heroes themselves. So it's like I, th- I can see within probably like three to five years, eventually we will see Superman and do something that is like, you know what? Let me push that edge. Let me go there, you know? And it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> he seeped into our Main Street comic, so... Man, I hope that never happens. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta beat them to the punch first. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, ever saw this. Um, I always thought this was a neat one. Speaking of the boys in DC Comics, so Grant Morrison did All-Star Superman number one, right? Mm-hmm. He had that beautiful cover of Superman sitting on the clouds. Uh, and it was actually inspired because there was one year Grant Morrison was at San Diego Comic-Con and he saw a Superman cosplayer sitting at a bench waiting for like the trolley or the the, the, the bus or something. 
So he sat down and he was like, can I talk to you? And the guy's like, sure. And he's like, but I want you to pretend you're Superman. That's where they got this inspiration for this cover for All-Star Superman number one, right? And mm-hmm. so then, of course, Garth Enos and Derek Robertson were like, oh, well, when we introduce Stormfront, we want to do, or not necessarily introduce him, but when we give him a cover, we want the exact opposite. So you've got Superman sitting on a beautiful cloud and, you know, above a clean metropolis. Then they have, uh, and he's kind of got a, kind of got like, I guess, a somber, okayish look. Then they do it with Stormfront, and he's sitting on these, you know, smoky clouds from fire as the city below him is burning, and he's kind of looking over his shoulder, sneering at you. So I always thought that was a neat play on those two. Yeah, no, yeah, and I believe the is the Superman uh, All Star Superman cover is that Frank Quitely? Oh yeah, yeah, that's his art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely like that was the whole. That was the whole, you know, response in in people saying, "Oh, Homelander is Superman." Well, then he's then they were like, "No, no, no, we're gonna give you a true evil Superman Nazi." <laughs> All right, we're gonna take it a level up. <laughs> so there you go. That we're gonna talk about the boys. We're gonna talk about how uh, we would put the team together that would take down the JLA. Should it ever need to be done, uh, should be pretty interesting roster. Uh, but before that, let's get into the spinner rack as always, because it's new comic book day. Yep. All right. So it's those fantastic two days of the week to make it that much better. So coming at you on Tuesday will be all the DC comic books. And we've got some interesting stuff coming out this week. Um, from the DC side of things, American Vampire 1976 finally launches. Uh, so Scott Snyder is taking his American Vampire character. And either recasting it back in the 70s or showing us a legacy of the American vampire. I've heard good stuff about it, so that could be something to watch. Batman, The Adventures Continues, number five is out. And this takes on some of the ideas of bringing the Red Hood, Deathstroke, uh, Azrael, and various other characters and story elements to the Batman the Animated Series universe. This has been a lot of fun. It's a great nostalgia trip. Uh, so I love it. I, I think it's great. Uh, they've done a great job of keeping the art in tone with how Batman the Animated Series looked. So I think that's been fantastic. Batman 100 finally hits. The conclusion to the Joker War is here. Um, I got to do this one as an advanced review. You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I think John, James Tinian IV, I think he did a good job, but I guess it was just the ending kind of fell flat for me mm. you know, like it, it, it was like okay this is hyping up to be something a different batman joker story and then the ending to it felt like another batman joker story that was Wait. kind of a bump before you pass it up that um batman volume 3 1000 or 100 cover, yeah that that in cover d incentive what are we looking at there so this idea right here was um, this is supposed to, so for those of you listening to us, we see this Batman in a silver bluish costume. And if you kind of look, it almost looks like he's a little bit happy. He's not grimacing as much. So this is the costume that Alfred had made for Batman. So this is kind of like his retirement suit. Like is like, Hey, Batman doesn't have to be a weird creature of the night. There's something more to him. And so this was like a prototype suit left behind. And during the Joker War, Joker actually managed to get a hold of it, 
and use it. So this is like, you know, almost like a, an Iron Man-esque Batman costume, like a lot of neat gadgets and hidden tricks in it. And then the Joker just used it, pervert it, and give it that horrible image so Batman wouldn't have that retirement suit. Uh, I think it will actually get used in future issues, though, because Batman does get it back. Okay. So it is it is pretty cool looking. Like I, I like the the chrome blue elements on it. Yeah. Uh, the bat signal on it is pretty sweet looking. But yeah, we will we will see what happens to it in the future. Uh, well, and actually one other major thing for all the uh, Nightwing fans, uh issue 100 is and I hope people don't mind a spoiler here, but for those of you shopping, uh, Nightwing fans, this is the issue where we finally get Dick Grayson back in the Nightwing costume. Wow. We're looking for it. It's here. So we've seen Dick Grayson get his mind back. We've seen him be given the costume, and now we finally see him in the costume. It was a great moment. A lot of great Bat Family stuff, so uh, that was fantastic. If you're a fan of the Bat Family, definitely check it out. Uh, DC Classics Batman Adventures number 5 is out. This is reprinting the original Batman the Animated Series tie-in comic, The Batman Adventures. So if you're looking for something to give to a younger fan of DC Comics, this is definitely the way to go. Cheaper price point and great classic stories. Deceased Dead Planet number 4 is out. Um, this was fun. So uh, Deceased Dead Planet is the sequel to deceased. Uh, this one actually has the original team of Tom Taylor and Trevor Hairsign rejoining forces to continue their uh, mass destruction of the DCU. It is beautiful. It is fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed this issue because bringing more of the new gods in and um, there was a character that survived that I was surprised, but it makes sense because they are, they're very good at pulling a last minute miracle. So that was really exciting to see them back and see some of the elements get played over there. Uh, one thing I do like, so they do a lot of uh, movie variant covers. So for Deceased, Dead Planet number four, this time they'll have uh, Dinah Lance, the Green Lantern, and she'll have the Green Lantern core behind her, kind of in the pose similar to Aquaman. So that's pretty neat looking. That is an interesting pose. Yeah. I thought this one was great. Uh, I love the fact that we get classic Kyle in his costume. Uh, you see John and you see Guy. I'm surprised you don't even see Hal, so they kept him out of the picture, which made me sad. But oh, okay. see, I just assumed that Dinah got Hal's ring. Is who's who? Oh, she did, it? she did. But I could have sworn I've seen some of the other lanterns die as well. Ah, um, uh, got you, got you. But, yeah, you know, it, okay. Somebody's always got to take the the hurt for the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Speaking of Green Lanterns, our sector number eight is out. This continues the adventures of the newest Green Lantern. Um, oh gosh, her name is Journey, I believe. Uh, but anyways, she has a year-long series going on, and we are eight parts of the way in. Um, Joe, yeah, I think it is Joe is short for Journey or something like that. But anyways, we get to see her continuing adventures. Uh, the way they've kind of played it up is it feels like she's in the future. So uh, it'll be interesting to see after the series what happens. Does she get to keep her ring? Uh, will she be coming into the mainstream DC universe? A lot of interesting stuff to follow through with there because this comes from the Young Animal imprint. And sometimes the stories count, sometimes they don't. So it'll be really interesting to see. So give me a second because I hadn't heard about this, but it's called Far Sector. So is it part? Is she from 2814? So I'm not reading it, but I think she is supposed to be in Sector 2814. It's the future. 
Mm. Because it's basically the idea is the world is at peace, like or not even just the world, the universe is at peace. So like the need for Green Lanterns is very rare. A crime has happened. And so she winds up being charged with being a Green Lantern and trying to figure this out because a perfect utopia. How could there be a crime? She's got a big task ahead of her. And speaking of the future, she her costume obviously harkens to a Guy Gardner s costume so are we assuming that she's gotten guy's ring I, I i don't know like it is interesting you point that out with a jacket look jacket pants kind of style it does it does have that vibe but i don't know if that's just the artist it was inspired or the artist wanted that or, or how it goes hmm. um, i would definitely say that she probably has heard tales of the green lanterns and maybe she secretly is a guy fan i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to uh, give that a check out then. Yeah, it'll be a 12-parter, so I know they'll definitely have a collection once issue 12 hits here in a couple months. Uh, let's see. Justice League issue 54 is out. This will have the uh, Dark Knight's emergency team coming along. So it looks like we have Nightwing, Cyborg, um, uh, Detective Chimp. I think that is Starfire. Um, somebody in a hood, and then it looks like um hawk lady hawk, hawk girl yeah hawk woman probably uh shiara i think but i can't tell who's in the hood i'm not too sure about that one is it is but it anyways, uh malcolm i i have no clue it used to I be have. uh shroud was that what his name was i don't remember uh well the shroud i'm thinking of comes from the marvel series so i don't oh, know that's right that is that is the marvel character my bad. No problem. Uh, but yeah, no, but this is definitely going to be a ragtag team. Uh, kind of with three of it being predominant new Teen Titans, it feels like this is like, all right, here we go. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely going to be fun. I remember last time when they did uh, Death Metal, no, uh, Dark Knights, when they did the first one, they had a Justice League tie-in book. And that story was actually really fun. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me, I would highly recommend checking this one out. I do love that the cover B variant is actually a reminiscent of uh, Howard Porter's when he created, or when, yeah, actually he was the the artist on Grant Morrison's JLA. So when they had the big seven standing in that uniform stance, this cover is an homage to himself. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it looks like Howard Porter might be having a future, kind of like how Kevin McGuire always is famous for drawing the uh, the Justice League in that, where Guy Gardner is like, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, and actually, speaking of that, with things going on, um, we have, uh, well, with social distancing going on, so Kevin McGuire on his social media uh, had released a, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. He released a new variant of his classic JLA pose. So usually when everybody's squished in together and uh, um, huddled about as a team picture. So it's right. been used everywhere, uh, you know, even with the zoo crew, even all the way up to the Marvel Universe. So he recently did one that is uh, talking more into um, so social distancing. If I can pull it up. So the characters are still kind of in their familiar stance, uh, but they've got some distance between them. And as they're wearing a, uh, covering masks as well hmm that's that's good 
I thought that was a neat little, here we go, finally found one. So they're standing on a floor background that says 2020. So you can see all of them uh, heading around with their masks. Some of them have logos on it. I like how Batman's got a full covering little bat logo on it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously some of these characters, you know, you don't really need it. The Green Lantern, Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, like his aura should already protect him. Uh, I'm sure Martian Manhunter uh, you know, can get rid of whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he'd have to worry about it. Yeah, but it's I very cool. The one thing that it bums me out, though, so it's great to see Captain Adam in action. It's like, all right, they miscolored his boots. I know it sounds goofy, but it's like, oh, come on. This is like the Hal Jordan thing again, where it's like <laughs> he has those green boots, but for some reason they always color them white, and it's like, ah, oh, so close, yet so, so far. But yeah. Oh, as we can tell, Howard, uh, our Kevin McGuire definitely hit gold when he created that image of the stacked JLA that it's been used multiple times. Mm-hmm. Howard Porter kind of has the same thing going on with his. So there you go. So that, that that's one thing to do if you ever become an aspiring artist. Uh, definitely make that iconic pose so that way you could come back and redraw that cover multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's see, gearing up for Halloween, uh, Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween special will be out. So this is going to be a nice, big, thick book uh, with several adventures of Swamp Thing by various artists and writers. This may or may not have made it to your comic shop, but Wonder Woman volume, or sorry, Wonder Woman number one, the 1980s relaunch, the post-crisis one by George Perez, art and writing, um, the facsimile edition will finally be released. So some stores may have gotten it, some might not have. So if you wanted to pick up a copy of that, there you go. Young Justice hits issue 19. Um, as we're getting closer to the conclusion of this series. So this episode definitely focuses on Wonder Girl. Uh, I do like the variant cover. I think that's neat. Maybe this will be uh, Jim Mafu or no. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of his name. Uh, Francis Manipul. Maybe this will be his uh, his variant cover by having the kids pose in a very uh, class photo yearbook style pose. Yep. So that might be something there. And uh, speaking of some Batman adventures, Batman Adventures Nightwing Rising trade paperback will be out. This is actually a real collection. And this is probably the cheapest way you're going to get this collection. So Batman, the animated series way back in the day, used to actually be aired on Fox. Then Superman, the animated series, came out, and that was on Kids WB. Then finally, Batman, the animated series, was moved over to Kids WB to join the WB network as well. And so when it left, we had Batman and Robin Dick Grayson. When it moved to Kids WB, we had Batman and Robin Tim Drake with Dick Grayson moving on to Nightwing. Uh, We didn't know how it happened, and there wasn't much explanation. And even at that time in comic book history, there really was just kind of one simple explanation for Nightwing becoming Nightwing. He quit. He didn't have Hmm. much of a story of where did he travel or things like that. So this is uh, they created a story called Batman Adventures The Lost Years which was supposed to explain the gap in time. And during the story, that actually created the idea that Dick Grayson went on a journey to go find himself, and that's how he wound up becoming Nightwing, as opposed to just saying, I made a costume. Let's be something different. (laughs) Uh, This was the first time that idea was ever explored. 
it's a great series. I remember actually picking this up when it first came out in comics. Uh, I highly recommend it. And they made a trade paper at back edition, which is obviously sold out. So here's a brand new copy for $10 with six comics in it. So not only is it a steal, but it's also a great cheaper price. I would definitely put that on your collections list. Uh, speaking of more Batman stuff, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, the deluxe edition will be happening. Uh, the Gotham by Gaslight is often credited as the first Elseworlds, even though it didn't have the Elseworlds title to it. But this was a reimagining of Batman in a Victorian England style setting going up against uh, Jack the Ripper. Legion of Superheroes Volume 1 Millennium will be collected. So this was the two-part story that launched Brian Michael Bendis' new future with the Legion of Superheroes. Mr. Miracle is back with a deluxe edition hardcover. Um, so this is the 12-issue the maxi-series by Tom King and Mitch Gerards. Uh, they're representing it again in a thicker, paper, higher quality, larger size printing of the uh, collected series. I do like about this, though, the cover... So it's Mr. Miracle breaking chains, and it's basically bl black and kind of like a pinkish purple color. That was originally a uh, lithiogra lithiograph that Mitch Gerard was selling at uh, comic conventions. Uh, hmm. So I think that's that they decided to say, hey, let's let's use that as the cover. So I'm bummed because there used to be an order to things the way DC would release stuff. So of course I bought the 12-issue series. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, even when they released it, of course, they did two covers. So I didn't go that hardcore. And they finally said, hey, we're going to do a special edition hardcover. And it will only be released at comic shops or Barnes & Noble. So, of course, I bought one because I was like, hey, this is a great book. Uh, if this is the only way it's going to get collected, I got to do it. Well, then they did the obligatory trade paperback. And so I bought one because a friend of mine wanted to read it. So I was like, here, check it out physically. Now they've got the deluxe edition. I am so bummed because I, I'm not going to lie. I want to get it, but it's like, I don't know if I could justify having a fourth copy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe I'll have to sell my other two. We'll see. But yeah, so that's coming to you from DC Comics. So they're definitely, they are uh, hitting the ground running very hard this Tuesday. So save up some money because there's also going to be Wednesday where we have everything else coming out as well. Um, so something I found interesting from Image Comics, they will be re-releasing The Walking Dead all the way from issue number one. But this time, when they do it, they're going to be having it in color. Um, so I think this is kind of a neat idea. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of an interesting thought because one of the, I think one of the draws of having The Walking Dead in black and, in black and white, that it very much harkens back to that Know, the, the the night of the living dead the original one back in the 60s you know so that black and white horror film so i think it was great at the same time nowadays we're 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 in modern age we have color and stuff like that so it's kind of it's kind of, i'm not gonna lie it's kind of tempting me <laughs> maybe this is where my <laughs> mr miracle money will go um <laughs> so they're gonna re-release every issue and what we know it went all the way up to what 193 so if yeah. you want to have it Full set of The Walking Dead. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for it. It will be called The Walking Dead Deluxe. Uh, and there will be other things involved in it, too. They will definitely be uh, putting scripts in there, uh, cutting room floor stuff, uh, all kinds of neat things. I honestly hope, I hope they keep the letters page. 
because that is one of the things that I feel bad for the trade paperback fans that they didn't get the letters page. The letters page was the best because anytime a character would die three, three issues later, you'd have the fans like, what the hell Kirkman, you know, and <laughs> it were intense letters. I mean, people, you know, you love your comic book character. So definitely there was a lot of intrigue there. So I would recommend picking it up. I think it's a neat idea, but of course, you Oh, it is a cash grab. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like you said a moment ago, you know, how much money do we really want to give Robert Kirkman? Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's okay. I'll have to buy his 12th house. <laughs> it's, his, it's his property. He can keep, uh, you know, delivering it any way that he wants. But it's just like, he's, I mean, also the show is getting like a third spinoff now. You got, you got fear of the walking dead. You have the walking dead, the world beyond. And then now you have tales of the walking dead, which is going to be an anthology series. And it, I mean, <laughs> I can imagine a lot of that money is going back to him because he's the creator of the walking dead universe. Exactly. Like that's the best part. It's like the guy probably doesn't even need to write it anymore. He <laughs> could just make so much money based off the fact that it's his IP, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, and this is smart because, <coughs> you know, they've released the Walking Dead comics. Um, then turned around and did the trade paperbacks, the hardcover editions, the omnibus editions. They've done it in various languages. Um, so it's like they're they're not hurting to have it exist in some form or manner. Um, but definitely seeing it in color will make it interesting to see how it goes because like remember the first book to do something like that at least that popped up on my radar um scott pilgrim when scott pilgrim was first released it was like six or seven manga style books so the small thick ones uh, and it was all black and white and it was fun it was a great read then they decided i want to say i think it was either just in time for the movie or just in time for the dvd release um but they, they finally decided, hey, let's take this and colorize it and sell them in hardback. And of course, I fell for it and I bought them. But I will say the color enhanced the story that much more. Uh, but just because it feels like Scott Pilgrim's world would be more colorful. You know, it's it's video games, it's excitement, it's pop culture. So with The Walking Dead, this might be the one where you might puke when you're reading some of these adventures. <laughs> <laughs> So definitely buyer beware, but it's definitely out there. So I would, I mean, I, I would, I would check it out. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Well, let's go ahead and just hop on over to Marvel. Cause we've been in the comic shop too long and we're running out of money. Um, amazing Spider-Man finally hits issue. That doesn't feel right. Could have sworn it was 849, 850. Maybe I'm a week behind. Um, yeah, no. Okay. I am wrong. Amazing Spider-Man hits issue 850. Uh, they've been doing some funky Marvel math. So I think they did issue 49, issue 50, and then following it up with 850 or something. Uh, just because my spider math sense was was tingling. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to see a lot happening here. We have the Sin Eater back. We have the Green Goblin. So we have all kinds of wildness going on. And of course, with it being a celebrational issue, we're going to have variant issues galore. So that'll definitely be something to keep in mind and pick what you like. And hopefully you're enjoying the story. I, I have to say Nick Spencer's Spider-Man kind of turned me off to the character. I just got tired of story arcs that took eight issues and then they would have like bonus issues as well. So the book just got too much 
too expensive for the story that it was delivering. Mm. Uh, Black Widow is back and she is at issue two of her series. And again, if you're collecting the Alex Ross timeless variant covers, Black Widow number two will feature Natasha in her very 70s-esque style costume. Um, we have champions uh, number one will be out so the young kids are back and they are creating their own team again and this is all part of the outlawed adventure that's going on so basically people are tired of seeing kids run around and be superheroes because they're going to get hurt so they have outlawed kids from being superheroes so this kind of sounds like it might have the idea of working towards a civil war and the fact that they are not going to listen to the law and they're still going to be heroic a third civil war yeah, well, why not? If the cow's still standing, you can milk it. <laughs> <laughs> a Fantastic Four Anthesis number one is actually getting a second printing. Uh, so I think the inclusion of Mark Wade definitely helps because Vince Neil Adams, he's great and he's still still a hell of an artist. I've read a couple of his like, hey, I want to go back and do comics my way stories. They were hard to read. So hopefully this one now by having a writer in there to help polish it definitely helps out. Magnificent Miss Marvel number 15 is out, and this is also part of the Outlawed tie-in. Uh, and then we also recently had some casting news for Miss Marvel. Isn't that correct, Mitch? Yeah, we have some casting news for Miss Marvel. Um, it is a new up-and-coming uh, actress that has not had any... Uh, what's it called? Uh, um, credits before. Um, I'm looking up her name right now. Just kind of stretch a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but it, it, she is, I believe, Canadian and Pakistani descent, and uh, will be playing the character of Kamala Khan. Her name is Iman Valani. So, a lot of a lot of people on Twitter were were you know giving her praise and saying congratulations as she gotten the news of uh being cast as uh Kamala Khan. How exciting, you know, like be a, an up and coming actress. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're, you're hitting one out of the park. So good luck to her. That'll be exciting to see her adventures. Uh, let's see. Marauders issue 13 will be out. And again, if you're collecting the Alex Ross timeless Iceman will be the Marauders number 13 cover. Um, and again, Marauders will actually be tying in with the X of swords. So that big spinoff is happening. Marvel Fanfare number 10 will be gaining a facsimile edition. Uh, this one is huge because it has the famous Black Widow pose cover. You see her uh, using her, her widow's or her, her widow's blast uh, definitely in a deadly manner there. Something that I think is interesting, and I guess I just noticed is looking at the spinner rack, talk about some great timing because that cover is George Perez art. Then sure enough, they're doing a Wonder Woman facsimile edition. So if you're a George Perez fan, right now is the time to get these two iconic covers uh, in their facsimile edition reprints. Marvel Zombies Resurrection number two is out. Philip Kennedy Johnson has brought the Marvel Zombies universe back, and it's actually better this time. Um, I read the, uh, the uh, Resurrection issue and then issue one. I thought they were great. So I'm definitely enjoying my tour of the Marvel Zombies this time. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 19, will also be part of the Outlawed story, continuing on the adventures there. And then Marvel Zombies, sorry, I should have mentioned this one with it. So Marvel Zombies will be getting a Marvel Tales collection. Uh, the Marvel Tales books are really exciting because they're kind of like a trade paperback. 
expecting a lot of great stories at a cheaper price point. So for $8, you will get the original, and it's funny because it involves uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, so more money going away. But this <laughs> will create, or sorry, this collection will collect the uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four issues 21 through 23. So a lot of people forget that is where the true first appearance of the Marvel Zombies actually happened because uh, Ultimate Reed wound up breaking through the dimensional barrier and he saw Mr. Fantastic and everybody lost their mind and we thought, oh my God, this is the flash of two worlds. This is great. Yeah, he met a Reed Richards and it wasn't a good Reed Richards to me. <laughs> Ultimate Reed turned out to not be a good Reed Richards as well. Yeah. A Spider-Man Marvel Snapshots number one will be out. So Marvel Snapshots kind of takes a look at the early days of these superheroes and gets down to the bottom of why they do what they do. So very interested to get a younger adventure of Peter Parker. That would definitely be a book that I'd put on your roster. Or number eight is out. And as we know, Donnie, Donnie Cates is doing some amazing stuff with that character. So this would be a first printing if you're looking at that. And also, speaking of issue eight, that will be the Thor Timeless Alex Ross variant cover. So if you want to get that collection going on there, that would be the way to do it. Uh, now it's time to save some money with the True Believers. So we have Black Widow and Daredevil number one. I believe this is the first time those two ever teamed up. We have Red Guardian number one. So we get to see the uh, first appearance of the Red Guardian, which definitely came out well before his MCU debut. <laughs> <laughs> And we also get True Believers Black Widow number one. So this takes us way back to the first appearance of the Black Widow in the Tales of Suspense Iron Man comics. So back then she was very much just the uh, woman in, in in very elegant, sexy clothing. And she was the Russian spy dictating others to do her madness there before mm -hmm. she got into the old shield agent items. Uh, Ultraman Rise of Ultraman number two will be out. So now we have Ultraman being published by Marvel Comics. So and does that issue. mean that Ultraman can like show up in the Avengers? I don't know how far they're going to take him in. Like, I don't know if they're just doing a uh, published comics to make comics or if they're trying to integrate him into the Marvel universe. I would say right now, I think it's probably more the first idea that it's just, Hey, we're going to make Ultraman comics just for the sake of it. Um, I don't think he's been wrapped into the full Marvel universe yet. Probably after sales, then they'll start thinking about saying, hey, you know what? Ultraman could be a great Marvel hero to have. So time will tell on that one. Sounds good. Uh, Wolverine number six will be out. Uh, this is, again, part of the uh, X of Swords crossover. And if you want to get the Wolverine Alex Ross Timeless cover, definitely check that out for issue six. Uh, X-Force number 13 will be out, tying into X of Swords. Wow, that's like, what, three or four parts for this in one week? That's huge. Um, this will this will scream out to you as well. Uh, Beast will be getting the timeless Alex Ross cover there. So if you want to get yourself a nice portrait of Hank McCoy, that is the way to go. And for collections, we see Black Widow getting an epic collection, Volume 2, The Coldest War. So this will be some of her early uh, solo adventures. Dawn of X marches along and we get volume eight and Dawn of X actually creates, it collects every X-Men comic post Hickman in release order. So this way, if you want to read the giant story, you can do so. Empire road to empire. will be releasing a trade paper that there. So if you want to get more of the, uh, how empire came to be, that was the recent Marvel, uh, crossover event. So that's definitely something to check out. 
you're a new mutants fan this is a neat one epic collection volume seven cable will be out so this starts the uh, adventures of going from the new the new mutants and turning them into x factor Spider-Man Road to Venom will be released, and this one definitely takes uh, the early adventures of Peter Parker as he got the symbiote, and then eventually started realizing that the symbiote was taking over, so he had to cut ties with it. Uh, this is a neat collection, and again, I think this probably was time to be in release for uh, Venom 2. Would that have made it this year? Uh, that would have that would have come out this year, uh, I believe. Yeah, it was supposed to come out this year. Um, oh, man, now I'm I'm doubting because i know that uh uh morbius was supposed to come out this year uh let's see release date venom 2 because i don't think they actually shot anything so right now the release date is june 25th 2021 uh i feel but that is okay the venom sequel was originally set for the release on october 2nd 2020 so yes it was supposed to have been out by now that was supposed Uh. to be this past weekend so somewhere in the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> Morbius was supposed to be out March 19th, 2020. Or no, I'm, I'm sorry. That's going to be March 19th, 2021 when that comes out. Uh, it was supposed to be, uh, let's see, original. Morbius <laughs> release date. Hey, do you remember um, the, there was the... Uh, so the original release date was July 31st, 2020. Do you remember that there was a uh, deleted scene in Blade at the very end of the movie where Morbius is standing on a roof and Blade is going to go after him? No. Holy the movie crap. Blade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if, well, you, if any listener out there has, has the Blade DVD, go check out that deleted scene. Because uh, there's, there's like multiple endings with uh, the the oh man what was ethan no not ethan hawk um what's the name of the actor that plays the bad guy in that uh oh, i can see his face um deacon frost is the name of the character <laughs> it is let me let me just type that in deacon frost i tell you what that would be a neat crossover having uh, blade and morbius team up because again that gives us that you know good cop bad cop type of thing that midnight ride midnight run vibe it's mm-hmm. always a fun formula so that'd be awesome to see those two together steven dorf was the actor that played deacon frost but yes the, there's the oh, the the multiple endings to that because there's like the the one where he becomes the big blood monster there's the one where we got where it's just him but like full blood kind of um <laughs> Uh, and there's like a blood tornado one, but then at the end is like they they emerge from the underground and uh, Blade looks over and Morbius like it's very much a disembodied. You can't see who the actor who's playing it. It's just a guy in a, a in a big coat sitting over on a roof, and like he, the idea is that oh that's Morbius. We're going after him next. Oh man, that's a that's a heck of an Easter egg, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's a tough one. Does um, does more? Sorry. Well, we know Morbius is definitely a Spider-Man character. So does that mean Blade fits in the Spider-Man universe? Because we did see Blade in the uh, '90s Spider-Man cartoon. So that's interesting to think. They have had enough. uh, I guess the big question is then: Was Blade part of the Sony films? So Blade was part of dimension i believe 
So he had, uh, he wasn't part, he wasn't sold uh, to Fox or Sony. So. Okay. So then he's off in limbo. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He was a part of New Line, New Line Cinema, which oh. I think is part of Dimension. And I forget who owned New Line, but yeah, obviously now Blade is, is part of uh, Disney in Marvel Studios. So. Uh, they they have the right to use him in any way that they want. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll start seeing some exciting adventures because yeah, he's he's quite a character. I'm still here. Um, well, I think it's the big moment now. It's time to start getting ready for our challenge. Yeah, creating our own boys team, boys esque team in the DC universe to take on essentially the Justice League if they ever went bad, which ever went rogue. Um. So the idea here is a five person team. One of them should be powered. The rest should be non-powered. Just like, uh, we saw, we saw with, uh, the boys at TV show and, uh, and then, and then also have a government, uh, liaison leader. Like we have with, uh, Colonel Mallory, uh, on the boys. So uh, why don't you go ahead and take it away, Chris? What's your team that you made up? Okay, so um, so I, I really looked at this one. It's kind of interesting because it, it's funny when you look at characters. So I guess the, the supporting characters is the way that's at least the way my mind went. I started looking at supporting characters. And outside of Batman and Superman, there really aren't too many. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a slim pickings. But I think I put together a team that I'm actually really happy with. So I decided, you know, basically the seven is an evil Justice League of America. So, of course, the Justice League of America, as we find out, they are nothing but scumbags. So I'm going to steal, as I I did before, uh, I'm going to use the idea of Huey. So that's my framing device. So it's like, okay, so who would be this kid who winds up just being thrown into the thick of it and discovering that, wow, superheroes aren't great. So I want to give that voice to somebody. I thought the best person to do would be Snapper Carr. Ooh. Um, I thought he'd be great because essentially, and it, 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 it harkens back to the uh, first appearance of the Justice League of America. He was the one who helped them on their quote unquote first case, even though we come to find out the JLA had been around before their first appearance. But I thought that'd be fun to play with the idea that Snapper Carr, he's just your everyday average kid. You know, maybe he's out there one day hanging out with his girlfriend and boom here comes a drugged up barry allen just slams into her and he's like i gotta keep going i gotta keep going and runs off <laughs> oh, oh snap indeed uh so i thought he'd be the great one then it came down to okay so who should be my billy butcher who's going to be the person who comes to him and says look kid we need you on our side so i'm going to take this one and i'm going to give that little bit because i think he's already got a rugged image but i want to give it to him even more so so we're going to have, you know, Snapper sitting there brokenhearted. And who's going to walk up to basically say, kid, it's time for you to step up. None other than Jim Gordon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I decided, you know what? Let's do that. Let's have, because who wouldn't hate soups? I mean, if you think about it, Jim Gordon and this kind of, uh, forgive the language here, but he's, you know, he's cuckled, you know, it's like he's the cop in his city, but he can't do anything because it's all about Batman. His daughter was handicapped because of Batman, you know, so it's kind of like, all right, that's that, that kind of those two, Billy and Jim could definitely, uh, they could definitely mesh well. So I thought that would be exciting. 
Um, so then of course it's going to come down to, okay, well we need our mother's milk. We need our, uh, um, our, our, our weapons expert, you know, our, our, I mean, he is a weapons expert, but like our, our government liaison, a good guy to get in and out of places and stuff like that. So instead of mother's milk, I'm going to go with British tea. So that's where Alfred Pennyworth steps into that role. (laughs) Oh man, I like it. Uh, so I thought that'd be great because Alfred, again, if we remember, he has a history as an actor. He helps build a lot of Batman's gadgets. He's a he's a medic. He's got all those field all those field advantages that I feel Mother's Milk brings to the team. So I thought that would be great. And again, it gives you that connection between the two um, uh, hating on Batman. You know, so I thought that would be a great way for those two to bond. So next up comes my Frenchie. So who would be that guy? So again, Frenchie, he's definitely like your 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 narcotics and weaponry expert as well. And in a sense, he's kind of a freedom fighter, depending on which side of the freedom you're on. So I thought that would be neat. I'm gonna frame Steve Trevor in that manner. Okay. Um, you know, because again, that's somebody. So, you know, I think for Steve, that would be hard because could you imagine like he's in love with Dinah? You know, and all of a sudden it's like he brings her to man's world and he's like, this is, this is the U S this is everything. And wonder woman just goes off on a full header. Right. And then, so maybe Steve feels some of that guilt and responsibility and he, he goes towards drugs to help forget that he brought this monstrosity to man's world. So I thought that could be a neat framing device there. Uh, and then for the female, so I thought this would be neat because, so she's the one who's the soup, right? Right. Uh, so I thought this would be neat. So I'm going to take black canary. She's going to be my soup who comes in. Um, because if you think about it, d- black canary, she's such a great character, but she always gets stuck behind. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, she doesn't get her own book, but she can be in green arrows book. Uh, she like, Hey, we can't use wonder woman in the JLA stick in black canary. Oh, we can have the originals back. All right. Goodbye. Black canary, you know? (laughs) And so she always kind of gets the short end of things. I thought, okay, that would, that would justify her getting pissed off at the soups, you know? So I thought that would be a great character to, to take and put in that manner. And plus, I think it would be neat because if we keep that mutinous, she doesn't have her powers. Yeah. So she might have the fighting stance and, and the bravado, but she's not going to use her power. So I thought that'd be kind of fun to play with. And obviously as this, as this story goes on, eventually it'll get to a point where she won't speak, but she'll use her sonic cry. And then eventually maybe we'll see her speaking or not. So I thought that could be a fun character development to, to look out for as the series progresses. That's kind and of funny. Uh, I was just saying that, that's kind of funny because at one point, I was thinking of using Black Canary's mother as my Mallory character. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun connection. <laughs> well, and since you since you mentioned Mallory, right, General? So I mm-hmm. thought, okay, so if this is going to be the government handler, and there's a lot of crooked government people in the DC universe, so I thought about, it, I said, oh, you know what? Why would the DC universe go to crap? Why would the Justice League be compared to the Seven? So Superman's got to be a dick, right? He's got to be horrible. <laughs> so who's the one person that he could be mean to? Lois Lane. Who's a government agent that wouldn't like that? General Sam Lane. So that, that's my Mallory. So he's going to be like, you know what? I'm sick of it. And it makes sense that he could reach out to Jim Gordon and to Steve Trevor because they are law enforcement. They are part of the system. And then from there, they get their feelers out where it's like, hey, 
I can get Alfred, I can get Black Canary, and then they start forming their team. So they are the, uh, that's my DC boys. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, so was there anybody that you almost wanted to put on the team or, you know, were thinking about putting on the team? So I really wanted to, there were two that came to mind, but I just, I wasn't sure how to play them. So I definitely, I, I wanted to put Jimmy Olsen. I just thought that'd be neat because he's Superman's best friend, right? So mm-hmm. that would ultimately be kind of neat to have him in that regard. And the only way I could see him uh, was just kind of maybe being Huey. It's like, ah, you know what? I think Rick, Rick Snapper Carr would do way better in that form. So I was like, okay, let, let me keep that formula that way. Uh, then the next person was actually looking at that I was looking at was Tom Kalkamu, uh, Hal Jordan's confident uh, friend from his adventures back in the Silver Age. So mm-hmm. I thought that would have been kind of neat because there's another one where he was so excited and he always writes down Hal Jordan's adventures. So maybe all of a sudden he's conflicted the first time he sees Hal use the ring in a horrible way. It's like, I write this down. Oh my God. You know? So I thought that kind of would have been neat, but yeah. So those are about the only two that I could think of. It was tough because I started looking at other characters and it's like, well, if you look at the Flash's supporting characters, Iris is the only one without powers because everybody else pretty much has powers. So it came down to, you know, the wives and I thought, eh, but you know, I just, I decided to steer away from them. Okay. I, I dig it. I dig, I dig the story. I dig, uh, the, the, the a lot of the everyday mans that you have in, in the in, in the team, so to speak, and then the general Sam Lane. That's it. it you know, it actually it took me a while to pick my government uh, liaison, or not government liaison, but uh, government guy person to be the somewhat team leader. And uh, I, I'm I'm ashamed that I didn't come with up come up with General Sam Lane. So I like that. I think I, I think I had you at British tea, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you did. You really did. And that's the, the thing about Alfred. It's like he always has that background history of whatever it is that Batman needs at that moment. If he needs a medic, oh, I was a medic in the in the military. Oh, I need to learn how to, to do a disguise and and act as Matches Malone. Hey, it's okay. I I did my tour with the uh, Royal Shakespeare Academy or whatever it's called. You know, right. He's always got the thing that that needs to 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 help Batman out. So that's perfect. Yeah, uh, so okay, if you want to get on to my team, uh, my Huey character is uh, a character that was already betrayed by her family, and uh, now finding the you know soups are not so essentially i kind of went a different direction than you did you 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 went very much everyday mans and and stuff like that i'm i just went with heroes and villains that don't have powers uh so uh they okay yeah but um but yeah so yeah she she was already betrayed by her family uh lost a loved one now she's finding out that soups are not who they pretend to be and she looked up to them somewhat kind of i don't know depends on where her story is at now uh helena bertinelli huntress is my huey he's getting the the curtains lifted on uh on the stuff that she's coming to find out about now uh and yeah thank you thank you uh my billy butcher though is another bat family person that's going to come over and be like, Hey, Helena, now that you know, I need you to be a part of this team. And it's none other than Jason Todd, the red hood. 
<laughs> so he's gonna come in, guns a blazing, not worried about shit, ready to take on whoever he needs to take on. Who is his uh his Frenchie? Well, well, would wouldn't it be Jason Todd's best friend? <laughs> Arsenal? <laughs> so you got you got uh two of the original not original, but two of the new 52 outsiders. <laughs> uh, for it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Arsenal comes in and he's, he's always angry. He's, he's angry at, at Oliver. He's angry at other soups. He's angry at himself. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't have a, in this new world, he doesn't have a kid to hold him back. So there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff going on there. Uh, my mother's milk, though, that is the person that, like you said, kind of is your your government liaison is is the person that uh, gets you in and out, the super intelligent one, the, the level-headed one, but she obviously has her own bones to pick, and that's uh, Natasha Irons, the second steel. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, she's going to be your tech person. She's going to be uh, keeps uh, Jason Todd kind of in check when he goes a little too far kind of thing. Now for my, uh, Kimiko, my super powered person that, uh, maybe they can control a little bit better, but you know, is the, is the power is the tank when they need a tank bizarro because Jason Todd has that connection to bizarro in outlaw (laughs) outlaws or whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know. I like. I liked the way that he was portrayed in J- uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. So I feel like, even though I think I think that version of the of the Bizarro character died off, uh, I think it's still it'd be an interesting thing to bring back and and have in this aspect. Uh, I I I, w- I would enjoy it. I think that he's he'd be a good addition. Yeah, that's a fun play because I I really liked what they did with his character in that run of the book like they even did kind of like a of mice and men-esque story so yeah yep. there's some tragedy in him so that's exciting to see him get you know get played in that regard i like that and then my mallory is i think the easy thing was to do amanda waller but she's already got <laughs> the suicide squad she's already going to be you know throwing people out there uh to die i have my connection through Natasha Irons, who was a part of Infinity Inc., or at least the second iteration of the Infinity Inc., Director Bones of the DEO. I want him to come up with his own team to take out soups if it ever comes down to it. And it's he's almost like a direct competition to Amanda Waller. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, she's going to have her own team. I'm going to have my own team, and I'm going to have my team take out her team if it needs to come down to it. I dig it, man. You have a great collection of rogues there. Like these are heroic <laughs> people, but this is like y- yours is so well set in a continuity that you would just make this book regardless. And it's going to happen. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, one of my characters that I really wanted, I wanted to throw in one of my characters, one of my favorite characters. And uh, I was going to throw in Azrael. I was like, Oh, why, why can't I put Azrael in there? But then I was thinking, in in his book, Jean Paul Valley's book, before it ended, like the last story, couple couple story arcs, they they 
they said that he is a low level low level meta. So he actually has meta powers. And I was like, well, then I guess I can't throw him in there if he's a meta, if he actually has powers. So that was one of my ones that I, I didn't get to use that I wanted to. I also thought about throwing in their Aztec. Oh, yeah, he was a fun one. Yeah. And he, he could have great motivation where it's like he finally realizes, like, wait, you people sponsored me. So he's the uh, a meta who left the game because he's not necessarily a meta. He was just powers based. Well, wasn't he tech armor based? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, that's what I was going for. Yeah. So, yeah, so that could be interesting. Uh, Mark Millar would love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there, there you go. There's our two teams. How do you think uh, our teams would would uh, uh, fare against the Justice League, Chris? Yours is going to have a better fighting chance than mine. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, you've got you've got people that have decided to stand up to crisis after crisis, you know, on their own two feet. So I'm I actually I would get a kick out of reading your book. I think that would be fun. Um, my my team would definitely be skating by off the the skin of their teeth. No, because as much as I love Alfred and Gordon, <laughs> sometimes they are very portrayed, very grandfatherly. <laughs> so they, they well, might I, have a rough time doing their business. <laughs> I think the thing about like your book, which is different than mine, because mine, like if my team showed up, the Justice League would be ready for a fight. They'd be like, oh, you, why are you being aggressive? Why are you showing up like this? Whereas your team shows up, they're going to be invited in as, hey, guys, it's nice to see you guys again. <laughs> it's 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 very it's very uh um disarming so uh you have that going for you and hey gordon put on the bat suit the the mechanical bat suit for a while right <laughs> yeah for some for for some strange reason he did he was batman <laughs> that was new 52 so who knows if it counts or not <laughs> None of it counts and all of it counts <laughs> they made an action figure <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. There's our two teams. If you agree with our choices, we'd love to hear it. If you don't agree with our choices, we also love to hear that. Please reach out to us. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia. G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Chris, where can people find you online? You can also definitely find me on Twitter. I am Stuff I Should Say. Should being spelled S-H-U-D. So check me out there. Uh, and also come check out the Geek Elite Media website. We've got some write-ups going on there. Uh, Rafa and I are in the middle of a long Batman Captain America run uh, by Ed Brubaker and Grant Morrison. So that's been some interesting stuff to read and revisit. And then also you can check out my comic book reviews over at AIPTcomics.com. Very cool. Definitely go check those out. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Please go check out our Patreon. We have huge amounts of bonus material that you can go and listen to or watch or look at as a patron of our network. Then uh, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us so that you can help spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. 